Kilty will take it right through to Aberdeen are through if he misses Woodman stands on his line touching his bar Kilty steps up right through to Ed and Woodman saves it and Aberdeen are through to the semis Kilmarna go out Kilty slumps to his knees onto his back as the Aberdeen players go to Freddie Woodman who was at this club last season Woodman has just helped send Aberdeen into the last four after a penalty shootout victory over Inform Kilmarnock the latest episode of the By The Minute AFC podcast. Uh, my name is Martin Clunas. We are flying almost solo this week. It is just myself and I have with me, as always, Richard. Hey, how are you doing, Richard? Hello, Martin. I'm scared and alone. It's not right. It's not right. <laughs> just being in a room with you, except we're not together in a room. I don't want to pull back the velvet curtain of what we do no. here, but uh, yeah, we are we yeah. are not in the same place. But uh, yeah, it seems that we seem a bit naked tonight. Yeah, safely, say, you're about safely about four miles away, so you'll be okay. Despite the fact there's only two of us tonight, we do still have a packed show. We've got a couple of games to review. Um, we're going to discuss some other topics as well. We have the Dundee game on the game on Saturday to discuss as well, and we've got your questions from the Twitter feed that we've we put to you earlier today. Um, quite a lot of questions, some interesting topics there. I'm sure that'll generate a fair bit of chat between ourselves. Uh, but we're going to start off with last night's game as we record this. We were away at Kilmarnock in the cup replay. Now, Richard, the lineup that we had there, bar you know, you can make cases here and there, but it was it was a it was our probably one of our strongest lineup. If you know, you can talk about Rooney or May, maybe Aberdeen are a good side. We've got some creative players there, but despite the fact that was the strongest strongest lineup, I would say we had there. It was um, there was a big lack of quality on display from Aberdeen, wasn't there? Well, I think it was definitely the, the the sort of lineup we would have wanted to see from Derek McInnes. From that, I mean specifically that there wasn't a sort of extra holding midfielder put in there. He'd it was an attacking lineup. It was a side went there designed to win. You know, you didn't have as you'd had at Partick, Dominic Ball thrust in to play that holding role in centre midfield. He went with just Shinny and McLean in the centre. Leaving obviously McGinn, Christie, and uh, Guy Mackay Stephen to provide the the support to, to Adam Rooney. Truly, the disappointment does lie in the performance, in particular, of um, those three supporting the striker. I don't think any of them really performed as we know they can last night. And um, you know, Kilmarnock, obviously, for their part, um, since Steve Clark's come in, they they were very well drilled outfit, but they've done a couple of specific things with their home ground as well. They've brought the dimensions of the park in to pretty much the minimum requirements. So for a team that relies a lot on wing play like we do, it becomes harder. First, that's something they did, I think, first just ahead of the the game they won against the Rangers um, a couple of months ago. And Kilmarnock themselves, who you know I would very much have expected to, to play some good football because that's what we've been hearing, they were very uh, long ball direct themselves last night, relying on getting the pace of uh, Jones in particular up against uh, our back line. So set up with a pitch and the way that it hadn't been watered, it gives us an out to say that you know some of our more creative players went on it. But as has been the case for a few weeks, there was just this franticness 
in the last third. There wasn't that calmness, there wasn't that assuredness. When things are going well, these things come naturally to a player there. You know, it, it, they pick the exact right way to ball to play across the box. They find their man with passing. Everything was a little bit forced yet again in that final third on uh, on Tuesday night. It was it was a real disappointment, a, a real frustration that we just we we didn't have. It seemed the cutting edge to to make a difference. And really, I'm probably not alone here in thinking that uh, when Kilmarnock got their opener, it was looking like it, we were going to be heading out because um, we created so very little during the 90 minutes. But actually, extra time was an improvement anyway. You know, but before we got to extra time, there were some substitutions, Martin. Stevie May coming on for Guy Mackay Stephen. So we briefly went with sort of two up top with May and Rooney. That experiment didn't last too long. Greg Stewart replaced Rooney. And we, we slipped back to just Stevie May up top. And the one that got the most uh, attention during the game was taking off Ryan Christie for Chidi Nokali. And some of the Dons end were, were booing when that happened. But what I would argue, and I don't know if you agree with this, but nobody's bulletproof. And Ryan Christie wasn't delivering. And it hasn't may, maybe been delivering for a few weeks now. And Nokali, when he came on, he actually did a very good job. He did a lot of the simple things. He recycled possession. He was quite direct otherwise. Though, you know, I mean, he had a one shot which nearly cleared the away end and another which brought out a great save from Jamie McDonald. This assumption that, you know, by taking off an attacking player and putting on somebody who's maybe going to lie a bit deeper is a negative move. That's something which I think has to be challenged at times. It does, yeah. I mean, I do. I agree with you to an extent. I mean, I don't... I can understand why people were unhappy that Christie coming off. The phrase we've used before in the podcast is credit in the bank. So a lot of people see Ryan Christie as being the very talented footballer that he is. But he hadn't had a good game. He, he didn't look like he was going to be creating any match-winning moments. Um, so I can understand why the change was made. And I mean, it wasn't like Nikali came on and suddenly we were going to shut up shop and play for penalties. The, the intent was still there to win the game. Yeah, um, it certainly wasn't to get to penalties. So, you know, you, the, the play just changes ever so slightly, and it becomes that you know someone moves forward, someone moves sideways, whatever you know. And I, I think people see it as being negative. I mean, Nikali, we've not seen a hell of a lot of him, so we don't really know exactly the kind of player we're, we've got there. Um, and but probably we'll never really find that out. I mean, other than the fact is, as you point out, he likes a shot from distance, but isn't very accurate. Huh. Um, which is, it's just to say the least. I think the assumption that with him has been, oh, he's a Graham Shinney type player and therefore quite defensively minded. But again, when he's come on, he's more often than not been pushed further yeah. forward of that midfield. So, so he's not sitting quite as far forward as Christie. But we, there was a, a similar tactical change ahead of the second half in the league game against Kilmarnock, where we actually pushed Kenny McLean out wide right that day and moved Nam again into the centre. And again, all McLean did, McLean wasn't trying to take on people or trying to do too much, which I think is very often Ryan Christie's downfall right now. Uh, again, when he's on it, he makes that look very easy, and it's that X factor which has got us a lot of points and a lot of goals this season. But again, when McLean did that in the league game, he, he just recycled possession, he held on to it, didn't necessarily do anything show-stopping, but again, just helped us get further up the pitch, get possession. I think there was a bit of that when Rocklally coming on last night, but I can understand the frustration. They, they see a guy who is a scorer of goals, as a creator of goals being taken off, but you know, if he's not played, playing well that night, and he, he certainly hadn't been, and hasn't played well for a few weeks. What do you do? Do you just leave him on to, to struggle? 
But an extra time, as I suggested earlier, Martin, proper guts to come back from going that goal behind. Um, and we'll speak about that in a minute, you know, the actual build-up to that goal. Steve Clark afterwards talked about fitness as being an excuse um, for why Kamanic couldn't hold on and was, were very much second best in extra time. I felt if anyone was going to get the win in the 120 minutes, it looked like it would be us. Do you buy that? Because it's certainly the sort of thing that had Derek McInnes come out with. Fans would be right on his back. Yeah, they absolutely would. And I don't I don't really give that much kind of credit, to be totally honest. Um, they're a professional football side. And Steve Clark can say that, um, I think he said something like it was five or six games in 18 days. Okay, that's a lot. That is a lot of football. But he, he dropped Jones and Malumbu on Sunday. Was it they played? When well, they that's played, right. Yeah, Malumbu came off the bench, having missed a couple of games through injury. And yeah. I think there was an injury date on Jordan Jones. So I think that's again maybe one of those uh, standard managerial uh, mind yeah. game tactics. I think he was kind of at it, at it a little bit, perhaps mental fatigue. But um, that's the kind of thing that the manager has to overcome. And the manager has to instill confidence and instill belief in the players. And if they're if they're mentally if they're mentally tired, you know, there's a problem there. That's thankfully not our problem. And you know, he's got guys out there who couldn't compete complete, you know, the full 120 minutes. Chris Boyd had to come off after 90 minutes. They've got some decent players there. It's not like they're an aging side of sort of relics. You know, they've got some they've got some decent players there. Um, so I don't give that I don't give that much credit at all. To be totally honest. I mean, we did actually quite well at uh, curbing the, the more high-profile players, shall we say. I mean, Chris Boyd was well marshaled throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, throughout the hundred, well, 90 minutes he was on the pitch. I thought um, Malumbu, yeah, again a big plus mark for for the sort of work that Shinny and McLean would do, but not necessarily get the credit for because he was he was very quiet. And again, maybe fitness has played a part there, but he certainly wasn't the effective presence that he's been against other teams in this league. And then Jordan Jones, he, one or two moments where he gave Logan a problem, but I thought for the most part, Shea Logan did okay. Until, of course, uh, the uh, opening Kilmarnock goal. Uh, what, what was your take on, on that, in particular whether the, you thought that was a foul on the build-up on Shea Logan? Well, you've handed me the hot potato there then. Um, <laughs> uh, he gets himself under the ball. I don't think it's a foul at all, to be totally honest. He, f- he gets himself caught. A little bit of ball watching, I think, as well. And he just, he was, ne- I don't think he was ever going to be getting that ball, really. It's another mistake in the space of a couple of weeks. We'll probably come to this later on. Uh, but it certainly, it certainly is showing, and we did speak about this last, last podcast as well, that Logan is perhaps a little bit too comfortable at the moment. And understand it was late on in the game, and you know, he's played, he's played quite a lot of football for us this season. Uh, but I'm not making excuses for Kilmarnock being mentally and physically tired, so I'm not going to make excuses for Shea Logan either. I don't think it was a foul at all. I think it was just it was 100% a mistake by by Shea, which is disappointing again. You know, it came in such a crucial time and you know, it was such so late on in a game, which could have really cost us dearly. I'm inclined to agree with you. I think absolutely he he should deal with it before it bounces. I think that's the critical mistake that allows everything to open up. I, I'm surprised it wasn't a foul, only because those sort of things tend to be given as a foul. But as it's pretty minimal. I think he is up too early on his jump. It's almost as if he's been turned in the air by um, the Kilmarnock attacker. Probably worth saying as well, you know, how do we get to that situation where essentially 
Shea Logan as one-on-one. I mean, we we had three men back covering two killer players from our corner, and they were able to get to a situation where they're breaking and a man spare in the middle who they can just knock it across to. So so that's disappointing in itself, but also shows the benefit of leaving a couple of guys up front from a defensive situation so you can break. Uh, I know it's something which... Uh, which again divides opinion or it pitodry, but uh, Derek McInnes is very, very much a fan of bringing everyone back at those set pieces. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I did speak to a few people and I saw there was some stuff last night about it as well. Why Logan is the guy left back? Um, it's the corners and things like that, and I can understand that. You know, why would you leave such a little guy being being? You no, know, if, if a team like Kilmarnock or whoever are going to hoof. A ball up front when they're trying to clear a set piece It puts Logan under pressure You're not going to put Logan in the middle of the box for corners Because he's not going to be anybody at headers For a set piece like that But it's kind of one of these things Do you leave a, Would you leave a big guy like McKenna back Richard? Well I think pace is probably more important Than, than height yeah. in that situation Again from an attacking viewpoint The players that Kilmarnock are going to leave forward are, are not going to be their big guys They're going to be their fast guys for a fast break So I think we've, we've at least evolved From the case of, because it always used to be You keep your full backs back and that would be it You sent to go for your full backs yeah. Regardless <laughs> of who they were they'd stay back So so we've evolved beyond that He was the right man in the situation But I don't think he deals with it expertly But in this day and age it was a surprise Not to see a given there but I'm inclined to agree with you that there wasn't that much to it A slightly contentious penalty I think it's fair to say but Kilmarnock would have been screaming for it if it was at the other end so I don't really have much problem. There was there was contact there Richard wasn't there so it's it, it was a penalty isn't it? I think it's one of these where the reaction of the Kilmarnock players is very very telling. I mean they're, they're 1-0 up, desperately trying to get through a cup tie which you know as much as it was a big game for us it was a huge game for Kilmarnock as well. They would have fancied their chances of beating us and then taking care of Motherwell in the semi-final especially given the form they're in there's not that much in the way of demonstration from the Killy uh, defenders they they kind of I think they know that there was a foul committed obviously Stevie May goes down very very easily but that's what you're going to do as a striker in that scenario I'm afraid especially when you've got your back to goal and you're struggling for goals yourself and you don't necessarily feel confident that you can create something so it's Kurt Broadfoot as well let's we forget that it really has of being a clumsier man to play football or try and cook in Scotland. <laughs> That's a, a very good point. That was the story really of the 120 minutes. Uh, we then went to, I would say, the lottery of penalties, but the manager doesn't like that term. What's your stance on that, Richard? Uh, these players, obviously, professional footballers. They clearly practice these sort of things. You no, know, if it was a lottery, then they wouldn't. A psychological point of view, you want to take it out of the players' minds that it is a lottery as well. You want them to trust in the Italian. I mean, he's he's built. We talked about this a few weeks before. He's built a, built a squad very much focused on talent and ability. Maybe sometimes at the expense of that determination, physicality, perhaps that. Um, that he could have gone down the path in the summer. So he's got players that he trusts in technically. So absolutely, he should make them believe that when it comes to penalty shootout, you can go and do your jobs. That said, I think it, it, there is a sort of interesting little statistical quirk that uh, Jack McInnes has won three uh, out of three of the penalty shootouts well Aberdeen have won three out of three of the penalty shootouts whilst uh, McInnes has been in charge Alloa Inverness and last night 
<laughs> Whereas before Derek McInnes came along, we'd won two from 11. But as I say, that's purely a statistical quirk. I recall that Aloha game when we went to penalty kicks. I don't think there was an Aberdeen fan in the stadium that thought we were going through that night because we'd seen it so many times before. But that night, again, the players and, you know, you guys like, I think Mark Reynolds took the winning penalty kick and it, it, it wasn't seasoned experienced attackers, certainly, because I think we played a slightly weakened team that night. Every one of them found a target and everyone scored, everyone scored good, good penalty kicks against, I think, Scott Bain was in goals for Aloha. So again, against a decent goalkeeper. And that has been that confidence and that willingness. And I think a really interesting tidbit from last night was when he spoke about he had his five in mind, but he also had seven or eight of his team who were really, really keen to step up and be in that five anyway. So I think that's a really good sign as well that uh, from a personal point of view, I always want my attacking players to be taking penalty kicks. And this is despite growing up in an era where Tommy McQueen would be the uh, regular penalty kick taker for the Dons. But just, you know, I think that if you've got an attacker who doesn't want to score in that situation, it's a bit of a problem. So I'm, I, I'm equally glad as well that we're assuming Stevie May would have taken the fifth. But again, it was our more attacking players that, that stepped up last night and did the job. And they all did well. They dealt with that pressure because it was a determined ploy in the media by Kilmarnock and lead up to that game to say that uh, I think we had Boyd come out and say it, we had O'Donnell come out and say it, and we had Steve Clark come out and say it, that the pressure was all on us, Sabadine have to win, blah, 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 blah. And ultimately, we were the ones that dealt with it better. Yeah, I did think that was some classic um, classic attempts at gamesmanship um, that Aberdeen, all the pressure's on them. And okay, we are above them in the league, but as I mentioned earlier, Kilmarnock have got some pretty handy players. You know, Malumbu isn't hopeless. You know, they have the record SPL, SPFL, whatever you want to call them, goal scorer in their side as well. Chris Boyden loves a goal against us as well. Um, so I do think it was a bit, it was a bit of a, it was a nice try by by Steve Clark and some of the players, um, Derek and the rest of the team. They put, they probably saw through it. You know, managed to get managed to get the job done in the end. Uh, special word, obviously, we're going to talk about the penalties. Obviously, a special word for the goalkeeper. Well, Freddie Woodman, who's on loan, uh, so he isn't our goalkeeper, but uh, three saves in a penalty shootout. Um, I was tr- I was trying to think back in my memory, and I mean, maybe maybe you'll be able to pull one out, Richard. I can't think of a time in a penalty shootout when an Aberdeen keeper has made three penalty saves. Uh, well, as I say, we don't tend to win too many of them. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think this is obviously I think something that Woodman's got a lot of um, attention for, is saving penalty kicks. I think he did during England's uh, successful World Cup under-19 or under-20 uh, World Cup tournament last summer. So I think it's something he's got a talent for. He's had a indifferent spell up here to date. He's not looked the most assured and has contributed to a very shaky backline right now and I think we'll all be very happy uh, when and if Joe Lewis is back and available for selection just because of what he brings to that team however it, it was great to see him get that uh, evening in the spotlight and uh, if it is his last significant contribution this season ideally he can go out with a, a, a very calm and quiet clean sheet on Saturday and I think Joe Lewis has Scheduled to be fit again after that international break. So, uh, hopefully, you know, all things going perfectly. Freddie Woodman gets to uh, be on the bench at uh, Hamden for the cup final and pick up a winner's medal at the end of the season, knowing that he's uh, he's made a big contribution to getting us there. 
it was a big game. It wasn't Celtic, it wasn't the Rangers, but it was a big game. And we might not have put in the free-flowing attacking performance that we all want to see and we all hope that the team we support can, can manage, but we got through it. It was a big win and a big game. And Derek McInnes afterwards, Martin, spoke about you know searching for that performance. I think he recognises that it's not been good enough in those type of games this season. So so if we can't really get a look from that and kick on from that, then you wonder when it is going to happen. Yeah, but this is the kind of thing now where hopefully the kind of the confidence will go through the squad now. They know fine, but back to the national stadium. This is what I know Aberdeen Aberdeen get to semi finals, Aberdeen get to finals. It's just it's a mentality that you know we get there. Now we need to get the mentality in that we win them. Um and you know, we get to we get to the final all the time. Uh, we got to two finals last year, we came up a little bit short. We're at the semi final now this time and w- with the confidence that the players will hopefully take from from beating a Kilmarnock side who, yes, we can all be funny about it and say, you know, well, Derek McInnes all, you know, always beats Kilmarnock. It's just what he does. You know, it was important that we got through there because the Scottish Cup is really important to this club and it's really important to every single fan. And um, we had to get there. Yeah, because reaching semi-finals and even reaching finals are not success. No, and we've talked about this before. They're not success, but they are. Barometers, important barometers of performance, and obviously you can't win a cup unless you get to the final, and you have to maybe put yourself in the situation of being able to win that final a few times before you step over that hurdle. And the more times you can put yourself in finals and semi-finals, the more times you're likely then to deal better with the occasion. But if you'd handed me a piece of paper that said your run to the final will be home games against St Mirren, Dundee United. Kilmarnock and then a semi-final with Motherwell to reach the fi- uh, to reach the cup final we'd have bitten your hand off for that then again I recall in Calderwood's final season the draw opened <laughs> up to the extent that we only had to beat Dunfermline and Falkirk to reach a final we didn't even get past the first team yeah <laughs> um, yeah let's um, that was a yeah I never thought of it that way um, but yeah you suppose you just have to get there um, and it highlights it you mentioned as well that it will be a tough game Richard um, we're going to be going into that game with some suspensions the captain suspended for the semi-final Graham Shinney picked up his customary booking uh, Kenny McLean's going to be missing as well and of course uh, we're going to be missing our right back our only right back our first choice right back uh, Shea Logan so um, it just adds to how tough that game's going to be there was a growing sense of inevitability last night when referee McLean started losing control of the contest that we'd be picking up bookings to the guys who were already on yellows I'm only surprised I think I think possibly Andy Considine was also one booking away. I'm only surprised he didn't also uh, be, get suspended so we didn't get the clean, uh, the clean sweep of everyone. It makes it very difficult with basically your midfield missing. And it is going to have to be a change the way that we would want to play on that day. I think we've still got uh, enough about us, even with those suspensions, to, uh, to be able to pull through on the day itself. And obviously we're still a few weeks away, so some players are have got the opportunity to to stake their claim, to put their hands up and say, right, I'm undroppable now for the semi-final, I'm, I'm going to make myself a fixture in this team. I think the only one you can really have question marks last night about, I think, is the Kenny McLean booking, which is an absolute nonsense. And the fact is you can't appeal yellow cards unless it's for... A simulation by the player himself or mistaken identity. So McLean, if you haven't seen it, 
he basically got booked for a clear dive by uh, O'Donnell, the Kilmarnock player, who himself was already on a yellow card at this point. It's not even close. It's not even close to a a foul. There are some referees that you just know are going to make life difficult for you. McLean's one of them. And, you know, whilst we might might have got a fairly soft penalty kick out of him last night, he just always struggles to keep control of games and gets conned very easily, as we saw in the case of the uh, Kenny McLean booking. We'll maybe speak later on about how we expect us to line up. Again, there's an element of we are still three or four weeks away from that game, so there is the opportunity for things to shape up and look differently. (laughs) You do worry that it maybe lends itself to three at the back. That would be my biggest fear, biggest concern. But we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how things pan out in the next few weeks ahead of that game. And there were obviously some important league games to come before then, leading up to the split. Talking of the league, Partick away on Saturday. Ugh, I mean, it was pretty much the same fear as we saw during the 90 minutes last night, really. I think the big disappointment for me, Martin, touched upon it earlier, was deciding to play a sitting midfielder against the side sitting in 11th place uh, and who clearly had uh, the mindset and a draw from the, from the first whistle. I know there was a bit of debate about yeah, this. Yeah, Don Ball played well. I, I've got to say, I think he, he did well in that role. Before we go any further, yeah, I mean, he didn't. He didn't have a bad game. I'm not, you know, I don't want to. I'm not going to un, unfairly criticise him. I will do that. Um, after the game, you tweeted about uh, us having six defenders on the pitch. I know people were maybe. It wasn't like we were had. We went. We had. Maybe we had six defenders on the pitch, but they weren't all playing in defence. It wasn't like we were playing an auto defensive formation. Dominic Ball had a decent game. It was just disappointing playing that way against, as you mentioned, the side that are sitting eleventh in the league. They're a team that they're scrambling for their life. You know, they're 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 looking. At, they need to try and stay in this league or at least get out of the out of that playoff position. I think they're sitting currently. They're three behind Dundee, and so you know, find what you're going to get. You're going to get them trying to counter, trying to you know we're going to have to break them down and to see us play play that way. And what was and what what on the face face of it seemed like quite a negative. No lineup was was quite disappointing when I thought we could have gone there and you know, tried to give them a bit of a game. You know, you've got guys like you've got guys like Scott Wright who's screaming out for to get a chance. You know, was on the bench. You know, other players who are are lacking minutes. And I thought we could have. I certainly certainly thought we could have given them given them a harder game than we did because when it came to it, we only had a few real chances. A note we didn't really do much in the game ourselves. There are plenty of legitimate criticisms of Derek McInnes during his time here, and we've we've covered most of them during our time on this podcast. There's no question about that. But but coming out with oh he's played six defenders, it just makes you look dumb. It just makes you look stupid. If you think that you know Graham Shinney is playing like a left back when he is playing in centre midfield, I mean, are you watching the game? It's it's just such a dumb criticism. That deserves to be called out for the nonsense it is, I'm afraid. But Saturday was not good. Uh, and it was, you know, as we said, it was a more defensive shape against a poorer team than we employed on Tuesday night against a better team in better form. So it was a bit curious. You're right to say that obviously part of it would be playing on the break. Maybe that factored into it. But I think the worst thing about Saturday was really the, the lack of quality chances created. And again, it's something that, that McInnes called up during his post-match uh, interviews. He spoke about, again, the players not not having that finesse in the final third. And it is the 10th match of the season in which we didn't score. It's the highest up 
every season of the McInnes era. Ryan Christie, particularly guilty, I thought, um, Martin, of being frantic um, and trying to do too much as well on the ball. He was one of the main culprits. I think, you know, I don't think that you can you can let the rest of them away as well. No, McGinn, again, didn't really do much. Um, once the ball had gone off after what it was about 65 minutes, I think it was, and Mackay Stephen came on. Mackay Stephen, unfortunately, once again, contributed very, very little. And you're kind of looking at these guys to to offer something and just to try and get a chance, get across it in the box. Now these are these are talented footballers. These are guys who are, you know, some of them are international international players. Christie just didn't seem to think of getting his foot on the ball at all, and every time it was just sort of a kind of surrendered possession. Didn't seem to command the game in the way that he can. He's a good player. He's creative. He can. He isn't there. He isn't a water carrier. He isn't there to give the ball to the better players. He's the kind of he's the talented guy. Partick weren't didn't do some phenomenal man marking job on him. You know, he had a lot of freedom. He had a lot of space, and he just he contributed you know so little that what we'll go back to what we were saying earlier on. It's like that's you know that performance that also contributes to why he was maybe taken off because. If he's not bringing it, you know, he didn't bring it in the in the first game against Kilmarnock. He didn't bring it again on Partick, and then in the second game, second game at Kilmarnock as well. It's like he's going through a bit a, a real lull at the moment. But because of the talent he has, he gets all these opportunities. And we wouldn't be focusing so much, I'm sure, on Ryan Christie if somebody else had stepped up to the plate. And I think we were yeah. very, very good last season, last couple of seasons, in fact, at finding a way through in these games, even when we're not performing that well. Especially last season when we wrote, we barely drew a game last season. Okay, we're still losing one and four, which has been pretty consistent throughout the Derek McInnes era. We only drew something like one in ten of our games last season. We were able to turn a lot of these turgid, close games into wins where this season we're not turning that screw and picking up the three points. And it's because we have too many games where all three of our kind of creative players behind the striker aren't on it. And it's, it's a real disappointment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can see, you know, look how when Adam Rooney's played this season, he's really struggled as well because he's the kind of guy... He requires chances to be laid on a plate for him. He's a yeah. poacher. He needs the ball. He's not going to create something off. from himself, is he at all? He's, so, yeah. he's, not, he's not going to come back and win the ball. And he's going to come go back and take the ball off a of Graham Shinney and go driving forward with the ball. That's not his game. In the same way as when we've all seen when Adam Rooney gets played on the left wing. I like the guy. He's a good player for Aberdeen, and you know, he scored a lot of goals. But on the left wing, he's less. He's less than hopeless. Um, you don't want to see, be seen him playing there. You want to be seeing him in the box and getting service, and when the service just isn't there, and it isn't just it isn't just uh, Ryan Christie, it's been Mackay Stephen, it's been Stewart, it's been Scott Wright as well. To be fair, uh, these guys haven't been creating the chances. You know, Logan has been sort of gets up there as well and can put balls in. None of these guys have been doing this, so it can it goes through the team. If you're not creating chances for the strikers, you're not going to get goals, and that's when you're going to draw silly games like drawing away at Partick where. You know, we've got a, we've got a pretty good record down there, and you look at that and you see that as being definitely being you know, silly points just chucked away. It is an odd one when he tries to accommodate both May and Rooney in the starting eleven, but keep that sort of four two three one. That yeah, Rooney is put out wide left because we have seen at first hand how effective Stevie May can be as that sort of inside forward from the left channel. I mean, that Scottish Cup semi final. Was t- uh, that we lost to St Johnston in 2014 was turned around partly by O'Hallahan giving um, 
Considine a really torrid time during the second half and partly as well because they went diagonal to Stevie May sat on top of Shea Logan so often and they were again able to get easy possession further up the pitch through that so so he has a a skill there and it's a bit of a surprise that yes when he tries to accommodate both May and Rooney that they were Rooney is very often the one shifted out wide left. Partick were clearly more than happy with a point and um, yeah it was definitely two points dropped for us One positive to come out of Pataudry ahead of uh, Tuesday night Phil was that Scott McKenna uh, tied himself down until 2023 Now as we've seen most recently I suppose with Johnny Hayes new deals aren't really necessarily worth that much. It does however give us a, a bit more security for a guy that's obviously now been called up to the Scotland squad for the first time, Martin yeah, absolutely delighted for him that he's in the Scotland squad. He's been he's been a stand he has been a standout this season um, in what has been a, a, a defence that has been changing over and over. And you're right there. You know, these contract extensions sometimes aren't really worth the paper they're printed on. But you know, 2023 is a long, long way away. If we if the rumours are to be believed about the numbers, uh, Hull put in a couple of pretty derisory bids for him, thinking I would imagine that we've got there's a young Scottish player who is very good. And you know has only played maybe fifteen, sixteen games, whatever it was at the time. So they thought they could maybe get themselves a wee bargain. And if it doesn't work out, it's you no, know, it's no real loss to them because Hull will be the kind of club they'll be looking to get back in the Premiership and the riches that brings. Uh, so was delighted to see that he signed a new deal as well. It's a really long one, so you you have to hope that he's bought into the to what Derek McInnes has been saying about you no know, we've mentioned it so many times on here about Derek McInnes talks about building an era about building success about having winning more than one trophy and you have to you have to think that he's telling guys like Scott McKenna that you know, it's like stay here win trophies make your name and then get the big move rather than maybe making this kind of silly move of oh I, I, I want to kind you know, go to some club in England and you go to some maybe League One club, it doesn't work out, you scramble around and then you end up back up here, no disrespect to them, but you end up at maybe a Ross County or a Hamilton and your career just kind of sort of coasts along until retirement. McInnes is hopefully telling guys like Scott McKenna and the other young players in the squad as well who hopefully will be will be coming through. Uh, you've got, you know, there are some talented players there, like people like Dean Campbell, who's still, still contracted 2020. Um, you're hoping that they'll be the kind of players that we want to stay as well and and win trophies and become, you know, become dare I say club legends. It's about making for the club an attractive proposition to stay at. I mean, when we had guys like Ryan Fraser or Fraser Fivey, I couldn't blame them for one second for looking to move at an early opportunity because we were a shambles. Okay, it's maybe not worked out in the case of. You know, your fiveies, Grimmers, obviously, Jack Grimmers obviously had to step down a couple of leagues to get regular first team football as well. I think he's now at Coventry. And, um, Ryan Fraser has, has proved what a, what a talent he, that he is, obviously, now at, still at Bournemouth. You know, we're in a much better situation now because we look like a club that isn't a complete shambles. Well, that, that's the, that's the thing. It's, it's not, we've, we've lost, we've lost so many players in the past for, for nothing fees. For the for development fees that you you panic and yeah you're right though these those guys that have left you know five e went down there made some cash got himself a an FA Cup winners medal albeit only because he was on the bench but his career didn't take off you would you would hope that 
and I don't just mean Derek McInnes in this. I mean every single every single manager who has half a brain in Scotland will be telling young players at the club stick around for a wee bit. Don't just go down there and take the first offer that comes. Yeah, there's obviously an offer of more money, but you go down there and it's it can be fleeting. How many players have we seen from Scotland that have gone down there and barely no, barely kicked a ball in anger? Um, and it's and it's negatively affected their career. Ken is undoubtedly a huge, huge talent, and I would love to see him stay in the stay in our defence for for the for the long, long time. Now, I mean, it'd be nice if he never left, but um, yeah, I'm not always work out I think we have to be realistic. I mean, I, yeah. But how much would you take from right now? It depends. Well, it depends how much you mean by by realistic. I mean, he's got he's contracted for you no know, until twenty twenty three, and he's in an he's he's in an international squad. You would probably expect that some English club would probably offer nine hundred thousand to a million for him at best. Is he, is he worth more than that? I would certainly say so. Well, I think um, you, you talked about Hull Hull's offers being derisory, and I think the first couple certainly were. We're led to believe that the third one totaled over a million, and that was rejected. Okay. Although. Obviously, you don't know how that's made up with various clauses. I mean, you know, it could be it could be a sort of the Rangers type clause of a million pounds if we go up to the Premier League in the next couple of years, that sort of thing. Yeah. On the never, never, we don't know the structure. It's certainly, something they don't make us uh, let slip at that. Uh, well, he didn't let slip. I mean, he was quite happy to to say at that black and gold evening a few weeks ago that the final offer had been had been in excess of one million. So, so that was turned down. So, so obviously we're not about to let him go on the cheap. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wanted, wanted to establish the sort of ballpark. I think the important thing for him, if he wants to go to a club at the top, even at the top end of a championship now, the lower half of the Premiership, because I think we can we can kiss goodbye to any chance of any player from Scotland, apart from perhaps Kieran Tierney, moving to any of the top seven or eight in the Premiership ever again. He wants to probably go down as a as a, a more finished player. I think right now he's a couple of seasons away from from truly being able to to make the move that he wants to make and make the impact that he wants to make. So uh, so very good news that he's here and that he's not here but contracted to twenty twenty three anyway. And a statement of intent, I think, uh, from from the manager and, and, and from the board as well and making that happen. So so good news, absolutely. There's there's no obvious downside to that unless he decides to do a Zander Diamond. <laughs> uh, so very briefly, Dundee at home on Saturday. It's kind of like the ideal game because um, if we can't, as I say, if we can't get confidence from Tuesday night, then we're never going to get a bounce, to be honest. And Dundee are in free fall, it would seem at the moment, an absolute calamity for them on Saturday, losing 4-0 at home to St Johnston. And it's a team that we, again, like Partick Thistle, like Kilmarnock, we tend to get decent results against them. We do, yeah, and you can't sum up any better by saying they're in free fall. They're, a, they're an absolute mess at the moment. Conceding four goals at home to St Johnston is... When it happened to us, we were almost in tears. I mean, Dundee, I mean, despite the fact that they're struggling, it'd be hard for them. It's definitely hard for them to take. I mean, the pressure is clearly on Neil McCann as well with the carry on after the game. You know, if there's ever such a thing, it's a perfect type of play. Them, it's an ideal game for us. They're going to be there or thereabouts definitely at the end of the season. I mean, they're they're definitely going to be in the bottom six. If they're in the, it wouldn't surprise me if they were the team that finished in the playoffs. The way I've seen sort of some of the some of the clips from their games, they've not been great at all. As we've mentioned in the past few weeks. 
Richard, our pitch could be a leveller for them. Um, you know, we've we've spoken about the pitch still being an issue in the cup game against Kilmarnock. It's, it was mentioned, obviously, that Mackay Stephen was dropped and we played slightly longer, shall we say. Now, Dundee, even though Dundee are a struggling side, I think that anything that Aberdeen can offer them surely would be too much to, for them to handle, no? It's the sort of thing that McInnes can come out, can, can come out and criticise in the wake of a, a victory and it just go unnoticed. But if, if we don't pick up all three points and any dares to mention it, then it's, a, again, it's the sort of thing that people uh, will jump down his throat for. It, it is... It's not conducive to the way that he wants to play football, quite clearly. And uh, it's not conducive to getting the best out of guys like Mackay Stephen, like McGinn, like Christie, who like to run with the ball. We're not set up to be to be a team that crosses it in from deep or you know just launches it back to front and looks for pace up front. So it will be a challenge. And yeah, I do, I do think it definitely impacted selection for that Kilmarnock game. And let's be honest, if you were turning up to that game after a week of snow with one stand closed and the pitch in the state it was in even before that snowfall and expecting a classic, you were wildly off limits before, you even, before the game had even started. Equally, I don't think it'll be very pretty on Saturday. And I think we maybe, this has probably been the case for a few seasons, to be perfectly honest, that between January and March, up here when you're not going to get any growth on the pitch, for whatever reason, every year we seem to struggle, even if we relay it during the summer. I mean, I'm not a groundsman. I, I couldn't tell you why we particularly struggle, as opposed to... Like Dens Park always looks in good nick. Part of it will no doubt be because it doesn't drain as well being so close to the beach. But as I said, I don't know. Each of the last few years, and then about January to March, there's been a lot of turgid home games where it's just been about getting over the line. It's not been that pretty. Early goal will always be important in a situation like this. And uh, you just want something that allows us to be whether that be the early goal or the confidence from Tuesday, just allows us to be a bit more composed in the final third because I think over the last couple of weeks that's really been the issue that has stopped us uh, from creating anything of note. As we as we know will happen as the game goes on, you know we will get restless, um, and if you know if God forbid we get to you know half time or. 60 minutes without having scored um, it's going to make things even more difficult um, you mentioned, mentioned obviously about the confidence um, from the, the attacking players hopefully there'll be a bit more no, the composure will be will be in there you know, we'll have, despite the fact again earlier I said no, for their professional footballers no, there will be some tired legs I would imagine after playing 120 minutes of football and then you know, penalties um, so it could be, we could see some changes um, God forbid we may even see Scott Wright make an appearance Okay, so at this point in the original recording, we moved on to talking about your questions, which are coming via Twitter. There was about 18 or 20 of them, and we thought we maybe get to rattle through them in about half an hour. But it took a little bit longer than that, so we're going to have that as a separate podcast, so you don't uh, fall asleep halfway through a two-hour show. You can catch up on that next on your podcast list. But as far as this first podcast of the week goes, that's your lot. 